Welcome to You Can Read the Bible's brief introductory lesson on the covenantal layer of meaning within Scripture, part of our overall introductory how-to guide on reading the Bible. My name is Matt Carter. So, even though the Bible was written by a diverse group of writers across a long time span, the primary author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. And there, because of that, there's an essential underlying unity to it, and how it interacts with itself is an important way to understand this second layer of meaning, the covenantal layer of meaning. The first and primary way that this interaction with itself occurs is uh, discussed in the next section on, on indirect and implicit reading uh, with Ruth and Judges. These books speak indirectly to each other, and when we do implicit reading, when we read between the lines, we get this. The second, more dramatic way that this happens is when we see how the New Testament fulfills the Old Testament, and that's showing us how to read and see Old Testament passages in light of their New Testament fulfillment. So a clear example of this is seen in the parallel passages of Exodus 24.8 and Luke 22.20. Quoting from uh, the ESV, Exodus 24.8, Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant of that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Luke 22.20, Likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So we read the sacrifices of the Old Testament with the light of the ultimate sacrifice shown to us in the New Testament. And this follows the historic Reformation principle of sola scriptura, that scripture interprets scripture. Now this principle also applies to less clear and more difficult passages, such as Matthew's use of Hosea 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, out of Egypt I called my son. The primary question we should ask ourselves is, How is the New Testament interpretation of the Old Testament continuous with its original intent and meaning? And if if we see a discontinuity, if we see a break between the Old Testament and the New Testament, then we know that we're interpreting some part of either the Old or the New Testament incorrectly, maybe even all of the passages incorrectly. And if we could go further into this and talk a lot about things like typology or, or other things like that, but suffice to say, The New Testament is fulfilled in the Old Testament and that there's an essential underlying unity between the two. And when we read the Old, we need to recognize what that unity is. So the primary way that we get at the covenantal layer is by asking how the text that we're currently reading interacts with and interprets those other biblical texts that we've already read. Now, this is an important presupposition to this, which is that there's an unending cycle and that we are assuming that we are reading actively and continually in the Bible. Because in order for the Bible to become our story, we have to read enough of it frequently enough that it fills our memory with its stories. So another key underlying piece to this is that we understand the covenantal layer better the more we read the Bible. Okay, so the the, uh, first way that we Uh, typically get at the covenantal layer, as I mentioned at the outset, is through implicit reading. So just as foreshadowing often requires multiple readings before you start to get it, so also does implicit reading improve with multiple readings of the Bible. And implicit reading really is just reading between the lines. It's a way of reading that enables you to see what was always embedded within the story, but is really easy to overlook during a casual reading. 
Now, don't get me wrong. This has nothing to do with some hidden or secret meaning or anything like that. Instead, this is really about seeing the stuff that the narrator and the original author and his initial uh, or intended audience would have already just known. They would have simply assumed these things to be the case. And so they're present within the story without necessarily being stated by the story. In other words, when you read between the lines, you're looking for what the narrator is implying to his audience without directly saying anything. Now, a great example of this is the story of Ruth, especially in, as it uh, speaks to the book of Judges. So the central theme of the story of Ruth is about God's loving kindness to the three primary characters of this story. And once we're familiar with the biblical geography, the history, the customs, then we'll begin to hear those implied communications that the narrator is giving us. And remember, this is not some kind of secret hidden meaning. In fact, it's almost the opposite. This was the stuff that was so obvious when it was written and, and to its original audience that it just didn't need to be said directly. It was that obvious. It was that uh, much in plain sight. So it's definitely not a hidden meaning. But to get at what Ruth is saying implicitly, you do need to know that the story's setting is the same as that of the book of Judges, especially the ending of the book of Judges. And that's explicitly mentioned in uh, Ruth 1, verse 1. You'll remember from your prior readings of Judges that uh, during Judges, this is a time in Israel when there was just rampant, widespread idolatry, deep systemic social injustice, um, uh, sexual immorality, uh, just, just lots of bad unfaithfulness to God. So against this backdrop setting uh, from Judges, we read in Ruth that Ruth was a convert to faith in, in the God of Israel. She's a foreigner, and she converts to faith in the God of Israel. The text never says this directly, right? It doesn't say Ruth is a convert, but we learn this through reading it at the layer, at the immediate layer, we read this through her opening or first dialogue, where she swears an oath by Israel's God. In, in chapter 1, verse 17, she does this. Then we read that Boaz, he was also righteous, he's also faithful. Again, it does, the narrator doesn't specifically say Boaz was faithful, but we can see it through his actions and his dialogue. So we see that he's faithful to the commands in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, about gleaning. He's also faithful to uh, the law of redemption from Leviticus 25. So when we follow this the immediate layer of questions and, and trying to make sense of the text, that then helps us and sets us up for understanding and gathering the meaning at the covenantal layer. So another thing that we learn in Ruth is that this foreign convert woman, Ruth, is part of the ancestry of King David, and therefore also a part of the ancestry of Jesus. In fact, in chapter 4 of Ruth, the genealogy we there we see there, we find that Ruth is actually the great-grandmother of King David. And so these are things that are important at both the immediate and covenantal layers. And these genealogies tell us that David and Jesus' ancestry is really not about some sort of racial, ethnic, or moral purity. This woman Ruth was a foreigner. They're about God's faithfulness to his promises. And then finally, we can also read between the lines in Ruth to learn, especially in light of the context given to us by judges, that Bethlehem was this exceptionally faithful little small town. Again, 
it doesn't come right out and explicitly say this, but the faithfulness to God of almost all of the characters in Bethlehem, in this story, show us this by their words and their actions. They're all from Bethlehem. Consider Naomi, Boaz, the town elders, and even the ordinary people whose greetings of Ruth in, in chapter 2, at the, at the beginning of chapter 2, show their faithfulness to God. Implicitly, and especially against the backdrop setting of Judges, we learn that Bethlehem is a very special place. Again, that's part of both the immediate and covenantal layers of meaning that we can glean ourselves out of the book of Ruth. So that's the covenantal layer of meaning. Thank you.